Well, when I was 11 years old, I had an experience that I'll never forget. Because one school night, my sister and I hopped in the car with my dad and we drove to D.C. And he took us down to the old executive office building, as it used to be called, where we were met by a White House staffer uh, that was a relative of my dad's co-worker. And he led us through uh, security there and then down through a tunnel. And the next thing I knew, we were in the west wing of the White House. Uh, Now, I don't know what the situation is now, but at the time, uh, since the west wing is a busy office during the day, the only way to get a tour of the west wing was to to, to be invited by a White House staffer uh, who was willing to lead you on an after-hours tour. And that was precisely what we had. And so I ended up being in places that I would have no right to be if it weren't for our guide. Uh, I stood uh, behind the podium in the press uh, room. I I went into the cabinet room. We uh, walked outside in the Rose Garden. And uh, when we were out there, I had this vivid memory of of seeing that that famous colonnade off the West Wing. and, And I saw socks. Anyone remember socks? Uh, it's the Clinton's cat uh, who was out on a late night prowl. Uh, that was the closest I got to seeing a member of the first family. <laughs> uh, but I was able to stick my head into the Oval Office as well. Now, of course, I, I didn't have the right to be there by myself. I, I only had the privilege to be there because uh, I was with someone who belonged there. Uh, someone who sacrificed his evening to do a f- uh, a favor for a family friend, and uh, that's a favor I'd never be able to reciprocate. And for me, that trip to the White House was an opportunity uh, for me to learn that old life lesson that it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that, I think, is a dynamic that we see at work in the reading from uh, Matthew's Gospel this morning. You know, Jesus, he's calling all, all sorts of people to follow him who haven't in any way merited their call. I mean, who's Jesus called first? He calls fishermen. And later he'll call uh, Matthew a a tax collector. You know, imagine if Iran, God forbid, invaded the United States and your next-door neighbor went and worked for them. (laughs) Like, that's what tax collectors were. (laughs) They were were traitors. Uh, Or, or, you know, he'll have Simon the Zealot, who, who, came, uh, who became his disciple, and he was perhaps a member of a, a party of political revolutionaries. Th- these are not society's elites that Jesus is calling. They're, they're probably not, you know, the go-to uh, uh, great guest speakers, you know. They're not um, necessarily the smartest. Uh, honestly, they might have actually been rejected as disciples by other rabbis. But it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> or, or maybe it's not who you know, but it, it's who knows you. And so Peter and Andrew are approached by someone great and invited to follow. And it's just such amazing news that nobody's like them can become apprentices to Jesus himself, right? I mean, they'll get to see things in life that, that they have no right to see apart from Jesus, It's an opportunity like none other, and it's worth taking. And it says that uh, Peter and Andrew left their nets and followed Jesus. They didn't take their nets with them. They they left them, you know. Why is that important? 
I was thinking about this like on a uh, purely logistical level. Like, you, you know, you can imagine the ridiculous scene of uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John moseying into a new inland village with Jesus to announce the kingdom of God, healing the sick. Uh, but Peter's carrying this like heavy net behind him. <laughs> you know, uh, Peter, that's not useful for your new type of work. You know, why, why are you dragging that thing around with you? But I think we also know that there's something going on at a deeper level here. It's, it's a symbol of a clean break, isn't it? They had been fishermen, most likely their whole lives. And, and so what, um, uh, sorry, it's, I'm groaning even to say it. What was their net worth? It, it, thank you, Dick Engel. I, I see, uh, oh, there's more coming for you, buddy. <laughs> Uh, it was everything. I mean, the net, it was everything. It was their livelihood. It, it, was, it was their expertise. It was, it was everything they knew. And yet, at the call of Jesus, they drop the life that they knew and they, they follow him. They're master fishermen, most likely. But they give up their expertise to become brand new, novice apprentices to Jesus. Is there a net in your life that Jesus is calling you to abandon for the sake of following him? You know, the hardest thing, the hard thing, at least for, for me to think about, is that, you know, nets are good, right? We have a tough time imagining that following Jesus would ever mean needing to leave something behind that's good. At the same time, I, I love how Jesus ha- has a way of redeeming what we give up for him. I mean, Jesus calls fishermen, he says, to, you know, fish for people. Uh, The fishermen are used to sweeping up uh, fish in their nets, and now they're going to learn how to sweep up people into the kingdom of God. It's a type of fishing that doesn't require a net. It it requires something completely different, though, which is knowing Jesus and and learning how to be like him. So, So they leave their nets behind. What is your net worth? It's a pun. Don't get that. Like, what, what is your net worth? Following Jesus, it, it takes time. Following Jesus takes sacrifice. Um, I love this, this quote that I, I found from Gregory the Great, who was a, a leader in the 6th century of the church. He, he said, The kingdom of heaven has no price tag on it, but it is worth as much as you have. Uh, these first disciples, you know, they're, they're completely unremarkable. They're, they're normal people except for one thing. They respond to the call of Jesus. When they, when they saw him coming, they didn't, you know, put their hands over their ears and say, la, 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 I can't hear you. You know, they listened to the call and they responded. And amazingly, throughout Christian history, some of the most effective disciples have been relative nobodies. And that's good news, because you don't have to be a somebody in the world's eyes to be a somebody in God's kingdom. Uh, There was someone named Frankie who was born to working class parents in England. And he wasn't formally educated, uh, but he did apprentice as a metal worker. And then at 14, he made a commitment to follow Christ, and he ended up getting 
connected with this uh, group called the Methodists. And by the time he was 22, he was a Methodist lay preacher. Four years later, he offered himself to be sent to America as a missionary. Frankie went on to travel some 265,000 miles on horseback. And under his leadership, the number of Methodists in America grew from 1,200 to 214,000 members. Frankie went from being a completely normal, uneducated metal worker to becoming Francis Asbury, the father of American Methodism. The disciples, they left their nets. Frankie left metalworking. They did all for the purpose of knowing Jesus. Because it's not what you know, it's who you know. And your net, whatever it may be, is worth leaving to know him. But Pastor David, how, how do you get to know Jesus? Y'all ask such good questions. Thank you. That, that's, that's perfect. Well, do you want the long answer or the short don't answer? Don't answer that question. Um, I'll, I'll give, I'll give you the short answer. We need to pray. And, and not just, dear Lord, help me to know you more, but that times a thousand. <laughs> and, and that's why we're calling this a year of prayer. Uh, we're seeking to get to know Christ better, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. And to be clear, I'm by no means anti-intellectual. I'm 100% for learning and study. But I was thinking about it this way. If I wanted to know George Washington, uh, I'm sunk, actually. (laughs) I could learn about him. I could read everything he ever wrote and everything that... Uh, anyone who knew him ever wrote, and so on. But I still wouldn't know him. He, he's dead. Sorry if that's like shocking news to anyone. George Washington is dead, but Jesus is alive. And, and I can know him through prayer. I'm still going to want to read about him as, as much as I can, learn as much as I can from those who knew him. Uh, that's like the Bible, by the way. <laughs> but I want to know him myself. And I'm tired of the type of faith that depends on someone else's faith story to keep my attention. I want my own stories. I want to know him for myself. And some of you might be saying, well, obviously this doesn't apply to me because um, I know Jesus. (laughs) Great. Um, I would just point out that the Apostle Paul Uh, arguably the greatest missionary in the history of Christian missionaries, said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. I mean, you think to yourself, Paul, like, how can you say that? You, You literally met him in person. But Paul knows that he's not there yet. And so here's my point. The call to know Jesus is for everyone. It's, it's for the person who uh, wandered into the building this morning and can't figure out why we have these funny seats, you know, with the guy in the, the costume up front, you know, <laughs> to uh, people who have been here seeking to follow Jesus for a long time. And the thing about prayer is that I think we all know how important it is. Like, oh yeah, pray, you know, pray for so-and-so. That's, uh, prayer is really important. We know that. 
But if we're honest, if we're, if we're honest, not like church honest, but like honest, honest, we're pretty bad at it, aren't we? I mean, it's hard. We get, we get distracted. Uh, we, we don't know what to say. And honestly, we'd rather be doing other things. But we learn to pray by praying. And you don't have to be a particular type of person. You don't have to be even of a particular age. You learn by doing. You know, and we might have to leave some things behind to get better at prayer. We might have to leave our nets. You know, our net flicks. Oh, he went there. And there's more coming. How about how about how about our internet browsing habits? How about our social net work apps? Not to mention, uh, Mr. Hankel, our bassinets and our bayonets and our castanets and our clarinets and whatever type of nets are keeping you from following Jesus. Our coronets, maybe our cabinets. I don't know. This is dad joke to the extreme. People are leaving. That's okay. But those, those things and more are worth leaving behind to follow Jesus, to know him, to make him known. And so, uh, brothers and sisters, I, I just have to remind us, we need a revival of faith. We, we need the, the new life that Christ offers, not only in our congregation, yes, in our congregation, uh, and not only in the United Methodist Church, yes, the United Methodist Church, but in our society, we need a revival of faith. If we've ever needed one before, we, we definitely need one now. And Christian historian, uh, revival historian, J. Edwin Orr said, history is silent on revivals that did not begin in prayer. So will you join hands with us as we seek to pray this year? May you use all of the opportunities that are afforded to you this year to grow in prayer. May you seek to know Christ more. And may God give you the grace that you need to leave whatever net you need to leave behind so that you can follow after the one who's calling you. He is calling you by name. And if you've never heard that call, listen. And I'll just say now that uh, after the service, you know, there's going to be some commotion up here uh, for, you know, uh, sponsorships for Guatemala stuff. Um, I invite people to go to the prayer room all the time to receive prayer. It's right there. It even has a sign now that says prayer room. Um, you should go back and just check it out if you want. Um, but if you, in the midst of all that, just want to say, you know, I want to answer the call to follow Jesus today. Just come up, find me, find someone in the prayer room, and just tell them, yeah, today's my day. And we'd love to walk with you, and whether that's a recommitment or the first time. 